all over the world and direct to you. This is the Sky High Dad Podcast. G'day and welcome to the Sky High Dad Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Rule, and thank you for joining me today for part four of my conversation with my dad, Richard Rule. Let's not waste any time and get straight into today's episode. The next one, and this this is big for me, and this, you know, the name, the Sky High Dad Podcast, uh, Work-Life Balance. So it's one thing that I, I certainly struggle with. Um, I get a lot of both. I get the extremes. So I'll go away for like, I'm, I'm here with you in Sydney today. I'm mm. heading to Johannesburg tomorrow. Uh, I'm away from my family for five days. And so that leaves Sarah at home with the kids on her own. And I, that, uh, that I struggle with the guilt of leaving her with that responsibility on yeah. her own for such a long time. Yep. But conversely to that, I'll come home and have five days at home, full-time parent. And so she'll then have me at home full time for five days. She may not like that or not. I don't know. <laughs> but I like to try and think that I, I'm helpful around the place and that it's handy having me at home. Um, and so it's sort of my my job anyway is is the extremes. But the, the reason I put that point in there is I think, especially in in today's working life, it mm. seems more common for both parents to be working. That's right. Now, I'm... I said in the trailer for the show that Sarah and I share more traditional roles uh, in marriage for today's um, standards. And what I meant by that is I work full-time to provide the financial income and Sarah is the stay-at-home mum who runs the also house. Also works full-time. Her job's <laughs> much harder than mine and yeah. I remind her that I'm, I'm aware of that because yeah. I want her to know that it's not like a she doesn't work and I work. That's mm-hmm. not at all. She works way harder than I do. It's just that I get paid for mine. Um, but the, we view it as uh, my income gets spread across both of us, and that's how that's what we both earn, because we can't do one without the other. Yes, I can't go work without her raising the kids, and yes. she can't raise the kids without the money that I earn from that's going right. to work. So it's teamwork. Mm. But the work-life balance for a lot of people, if you both have to work, especially if you're both like, let's say, I, what's a good example? You've got a doctor and a lawyer, or something, you know, high-demand jobs where you both work big hours, it must be really difficult to manage mm. your career when you've both got significant careers. But it could be the case for any job. Um, meanwhile, you've got kids going to school or high school, university, or you know, wherever you are, yeah. daycare, um, especially if you're living in a town where you don't have any family around for help, so you're trying to get you know, a nanny or mm. you're getting friends to help out. Yep. The 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 amount of things that you must deal with, whether it be guilt, like I said, you know, time away from your kids, or because you work so hard, you miss out on this cool play or soccer on weekends, or mm. you know, like I'm sure there are lots of people going yep. through this work life balance mm. juggle, mm. this juggling act. Yeah. Um. And uh, I'm interested to get your view on it because you've had to work pretty hard. Like I know when we were growing up. Um, you were teaching, mum was at, at childcare, and then when you wanted to start the childcare centre, you were doing both 
a full-time job and then working late hours setting up the business because that's what's required, right? In, and anyone who's listening who has a small business will know that in order to get it yeah. started, usually you can't just quit your job and yeah. start it. So right. you've got to it's, prop it up with yeah. your normal income. Yes, and so it just becomes yeah. really, really hard. Mm. Um, in your experience, going through that, you know, I mean, I don't actually have any negative memories of that. Even mm. even as little as, um, you know, I remember you'd order some Domino's pizza and we'd sit and eat pizza while you built stuff around the childcare center or cleaned up or painted or whatever it was because you're doing it all yourselves. I never looked at that and thought, why are we doing this? Well, you know, Zach, I think uh, when we look at cultures around the world and you look, you know, even at history, go back through history, you would realize that that the problems that we're facing, you know, they're different, but but... They're different in in the sense that it's it's modern society, but the the issue of parents having to work whilst their children are around them is a is a very common and historic issue. You know, when you think of say, um, you know, a father who's got to go out and hunt, or a, a mother who's working in the field, or, or what, and she's got a child on on she's got a child in a sack on her back or something that's sleeping. Like when you think of all those things. Um, work and raising children have sort of gone hand in hand for families for centuries. We've got a, a bit of a different society where we've separated work and home a lot more. Um, but can I just say, as much as you can include, so you don't try to, what, you, what, what we did, as you said, we, we try to include our children, you guys, in in aspects of our lives where we could and of course you can't take your children to work with you but when you're raising when you're starting a business or you're doing a renovation to a place or whatever you know you would come along and you'd just help where you could or you'd just play and then you'd go to sleep on the floor we'd put the mats out and you go to sleep on the floor so so we and you didn't have any sense of um mum and dad are are always off at work and we're you know being minded by someone else so you, we sort of took you with us on that on that journey um and i think it's where you can do that that's good. If you're working really long hours in your workplace um, or in your situation, you're away for five days and so on, um, you know, we just all have to continue to get get very clever at how we, we, we balance that so that there is there's quality time with your children and as much quantity time as you can get is really what I'd say. So, so you know, if, it's only, if you're only with your children for an hour a day, it's probably probably going to be pushing the boundaries around whether that's enough i would come home from work and i always made sure i came home for work about five o'clock and um even after a big day because i was head of school at the time and i'd be there till five o'clock and then but um one of my colleagues would stay till seven at night and and i i actually feel that that he missed out on some very important time with his family um with his children because he wasn't there for the meal time where you're sitting around the table together and talking about the day. He wasn't there for bath time, story time. He helped me home after the children had gone to bed. Um, and so in a, as, a, as a father in that case, he missed out on a lot of the year, early years with his children. So I, I would be saying, if at all possible, work out the times when you really need to be with your children, have your children with you, um, so that you, know, you, you still have to put the hours of work in and it might have to be juggling it. Um, and where possible, if your workplace allows you to have a little bit more flexibility so that you've got some time with your children. Because if you don't have that time with them face-to-face, um, if you miss out on that time and the years go by, you, you will find that they'll be grown up before you realise it and you won't be able to get those years back. Yeah, I remember um, 
I remember a quote that really got me. Um, I'm not I'm not necessarily one of those people that's really into quotes, buys quote books, and you know mm. I, I don't mind a quote like the next yeah. person, but it's you know, but one that really stuck with me. And uh, for anyone listening along, if I paraphrase this and I butcher it, I apologize. But Kobe Bryant always he used to get up in the morning at like 3 a.m. I think it was, and he'd train until 5:30 or 3:30 to 5:30. He'd get up and do a lot of training in the morning. He'd then wake his kids up, get them ready for school make their breakfast and their lunch he would take them to school himself and then go from school drop off to nba training with his with the la lakers Mm -hmm. he'd train all day with the lakers then he'd come back pick the kids up from school take them home help them with their homework and then he he would then um stay up late to do the training that he'd missed out on during the school pickup times he'd catch up in his own time so early hours in the morning and then late at night and then have you know time with his wife and as well and when asked about it, he said, my kids didn't choose to be NBA stars. I did. Mm. I chose to have my kids mm. and I won't have their lives sacrificed mm. because of the cho- choices that I made in my career. And I heard that and I just thought, yep. that's wisdom. It's wisdom. Because he valued yep. the time with his kids. Yep. He looked at that and thought, I might be the greatest NBA player getting around, mm. but I'm still a dad and my kids are important to me. Yep. And I heard that and I thought, you know what? Because I like one thing for me, I really value sleep. I love sleep, but you hear things like that: people sacrificing sleep because, like, well, there's only so many hours in the day, and I've chosen to do this job or this whatever. But I've also got kids, so if you're trying to juggle both, something's got to give. And for him to go, well, I'll sleep when my career's over, you know, and I'm going to spend that time with my kids, going to spend that time with my job, and I'm going to make it work because I can see the value in both. I thought. That's amazing. Yeah. And look, you know, those moments when you're just sitting across the table or at breakfast at the breakfast bar and you're just talking about things that may seem trivial, but that's life and that's do- it's doing life with your children and, and you're there with them and you're actually present with, with them. Because <laughs> I think the thing that I've... When you're working a very demanding job and it's taxing your thinking and you're trying to, you're trying to sort of think through and plan or your phone's ringing or, you know, you're, do it, you're scrolling on your phone or whatever it is, right? All the things that can happen, children will certainly feel pretty quickly like they're not all that important to you, you know, almost like an inconvenience. Whereas when you're doing what you've just mentioned, um, where you're home, you're there with them, you're 100% focused at that point in time. You, you're, re- you're reading, you're interested in what they're doing, you're talking about their day, you know, all those things. They then know that you genuinely love them and want to be, you know, you're interested in their lives. Um, and, and can we do that and have a very demanding job? Clearly, it's possible. Now, it means often juggling a lot of things, that, and it's, but how for how long? Really, it's probably 10 to 15 years of your life where you've really got to make that your focus because that's one of the most important things you will do in your life. Um, Raising your children well is such a critical thing that you've got to do and you need time. So if, if those years go and somebody else is raising your kids for you, um, you'll regret it later on. Yeah, I've heard that. I heard one of my friends recently um, said that uh, she was so busy setting up the business and so busy volunteering at church that she felt she missed the kids growing up. And she had a really emotional moment where she's like, I've missed it. They're, they're adults and they've all moved out of home and I missed it because I was too busy trying to get yep. ourselves set up for life yep. and, and now life has passed me by. 
and 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 it was I mean it was a very honest moment for her but I appreciate her saying that because so many people I've spoken to in recent times you know I'm in my job I work with people that are you know your age and um and you talk to them and you ask questions like you know considering where I am if you were to look back on your journey to where you are what would you do differently and a lot of them if not all of them say it's what people said to me so you'll probably think the same thing that I thought when they said it to me mm. but time goes so fast and it was just yesterday I started here and that was 30 years ago and now it's almost over mm. and so, so you, you, you have to you have to you have to capture and savor those moments and you've got to help create those moments so so for example let's say let's say it's soccer you know you if you're not at the soccer games like Zach, I remember the soccer games like they they are a memory that I will treasure because there are moments that you know where I observed you playing and if I hadn't been there and we hadn't you know or the, or the cricket match you know where you get into the to the grand final like, like those sorts of things like if you're not part of that you don't get to and they're part they're the, that's the tapestry of life that's the things that make life so wonderful and and sometimes we can we can miss it you just miss it and if suddenly you're in your 40s and you've your children are now in their teens or 20s and you kind of go i don't think i really got to know them that well i actually don't think i had many moments that i can really go back and go we journeyed through life. We actually did a lot of things in their in their childhood, and and I'll never forget those precious moments. You never get that back. So I think that's why you've got to go. Yep, work work doesn't have to be sacrificed, but you just got to make it. You got to make both work. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. So and I think that that would be. I would assume that that is going to be something common to most people listening. Most people listening who are parents would be going, "Yep, work life balance, tough one." So yeah. Hopefully, there's a little bit of advice in that that helps people. Um, and then the last point that I made, we did sort of touch on earlier, is building a good community of social networks around you, mm. um, whether that be through your own family. Um, you know, Sarah and I don't have you and mum, and we mm. don't have Sarah's parents in town yep. either, right? So, we don't have any family, and that's of our own decision to live where we live. Um, and we've, we've supplemented that by making a really good community of friends that are somewhat our surrogate family mm. in Brisbane. Mm. You know, and that in itself is a comfort for me, knowing that when I'm on the other side of the world with work, if something happens that Sarah has people that she can call and go, I really need help, and they'll yeah. just go, no worries, we're so on our way. And and we're very fortunate to have that. Um, and I think that is another thing that you need in your relationship. You know, to be isolated as an individual or isolated as a family, it's... It's, I think a lot of people are in that situation, but I think the problem in, in, in isolation is when things get tough, there's no one to help you. Mm. And if you're the problem mm. or if the other, per, the other person in your relationship is the problem, you need someone else to go to to mm. say, we, we need help. But if you don't have anyone, mm. then you're sort of already at the end of your... That's it. End of your rope. It's all over. Yeah. So you need to have people around you who, you who are close to you and trust you enough that you can go, hey, guys... Um, we've we've fallen on a tough time. Can you help us? Mm. And maybe maybe the help is: Can you please take the kids? Yes. So that we can go away for the night. Yeah. Can you please do school drop off so that we're not so frantic in yep. the morning that we can sit and have a coffee yep. together before yep. we run off and get the day started? Yeah. Whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um. And I know that you know Sarah and I are guilty of this that we we are hesitant to ask for help because we don't want to burden people, but if they're really your friends, which ours are, and they f- they get frustrated that we don't ask for help more often, uh, is 
they want to help because they love you. And I think that's really important is to have people in your life that love you and want to help you yeah. and, and, and feel valued if you ask for yes. help. Yes. Because you say, well, I can't do this. I need your help. And they go, great. This is well, my chance to step in and help. Can I just say that, that I, I, have, I have lived by the principle that it's in giving that you receive. And, and when you actually, you know, that example that you gave, I, I would say the majority of people get tremendous pleasure out of doing something helpful for someone else right knowing that they're needing they're needing some support right now and it's not it's not a big thing that they're asking um but it's really going to mean a lot to them at this point in time you get enormous amount of you know sense of worth and pleasure out of being able to do something for somebody else and you would and, and then they'll do the same for you you're right and that's community that's that's where we're helping each other out and you could actually say as much as i don't want to ask um it, it sounds cliched but you're then depriving them of the of the joy that they get in being able to help you and i know we sometimes go oh look i just don't want to bother anyone you know like i'll just handle this myself but you know that deep down it's going to mean a lot to them as well as you when you actually say look right now i just need you to do something to help me because we're really finding it tough that's how community works right so you've got to find that community and and of course for we do admit that for couples and for other couples that have sort of fairly stable situations, it is a lot easier. If you're a single parent trying to find and getting into you know, a community with other families, with other couples, is a bit harder. But generally, they will all just reach out and help you. If you form that community where they just love you and you love them, um, there's no judgment. They just want to say, look, if you need us, we'll drop everything, we'll come around. If you need to go out or if you've got a situation where you've got a crisis and you just need someone there, we'll be there in a flash. You need that. You absolutely need that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So hopefully in those five, six points that we made, that there was a few things in there that people can listen to and find helpful. Um, I know that a lot of those things are only coming out of things that I've done myself. Mm. Um, and and that's, the, that's the point of this show, is that none of us are potentially experts on the topic. Nope. Just day-to-day parents that have done the journey yep. and found what has worked and what hasn't worked. Uh, and so hopefully through... Well, I'm a big history buff. And one thing that I find very frustrating about humans is that very rarely do we learn from history. <laughs> history. They just go, oh, well, let's, just because they did yeah, that doesn't mean that it will happen to us. It's like, no, like if, if every generation does the same thing and it doesn't work, <laughs> it maybe repeats. don't do it, you know? So yeah. hopefully there are things that we can learn through the journey that people are ahead. Because I think that's the other thing too, is as people get older... I don't know, the middle, the middle-aged generations sort of go, wow, well, you know, they're old and senile and so let's just forget them. But I think there's so much wisdom sitting there in old people's homes of people well, that have done an entire life and you just think, well, why, we should be gleaning from these people totally. the wisdom that they've, they've done yeah. what, 80, 90, 100 years to learn. Yeah. You know, just because maybe they're a bit slower in their speech because they're old. I mean, well, it I mean, doesn't matter. They listen to yes. the wisdom that they are trying yes. to impart because before they, once they're gone, they're gone. You know, they're not coming back. So, I think Zach, it's there's, important. There's something in our, you know, in sort of the white Australian culture, perhaps, or certainly, you know, Western European culture that has lost, has in in a lot of ways lost the value of the wisdom of 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 um, our elders, I guess. Um, and it seems that the Indigenous communities are trying to teach the white Australian community, the, the non-Indigenous community in Australia, about the value of eldership. And we, you know, we talk about elders, past, present and emerging, right? So, so we would then have to go, there's something about 
the wisdom of the elders. And, and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I just respect the fact that you can see, Zach, that, that those who've gone before, who've, who've, who've worked, like, they've, they've been through the better part of their life. They've, they've experienced what life brings, right? And they're still positive and they're still hopeful and they're, still, they're not being cynical and, and, and depressing about life. They're actually saying, no, life's good and you can enjoy this most amazing life, right? And, and they're in their 60s or 70s or 80s saying that. Then you go, right, they're the elders. They're the people who can give us wisdom so that we won't make some of the mistakes that we could possibly make. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's certainly one thing that I would, I'm trying to do is as much as possible. And I'm, I'm guilty as an extrovert of talking more than I listen. So I'm, I'm certainly hoping that through this show, I will listen more than I talk and learn from those that have gone before me on the, the good and the bad that they've done and maybe go, hey, there's a few things that they said they wish they hadn't done that I can pick up and, mm. in my own life and hopefully for everyone listening along. Um, maybe we should avoid doing that. And likewise, hey, here's, here's some nuggets of wisdom that I did this and it was awesome. And I can go, great, well, I'm going to try that in my own life. So good. Yeah, so um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to address, anything you would like to talk about, um, whether that be through... Uh, your own story through the topics that we've been covering through um, things you've implemented in your business any Mm. of those things that we've covered across today Um, look I think I think there's we live in an incredible country for those for those listening who are Australian we do live in an amazing country Um, there's there's a you know there's tremendous amount of opportunity some definitely life is easier you know for, for many and you know my own story was that I, I, you know, started my married life with virtually nothing. Um, I brought into our marriage pretty much five hundred dollars, and that was it. <laughs> and I don't even know why Lee, you know, who came from a reasonably, you know, well-off family, why the parents would even allow her to marry someone who had no money. Um, but you, you get educated, and then you know, you apply the principles right of of investing and the things that you do. And Australia really affords us tremendous amount of opportunity if we're wise with those things now that's i i just want to say it i know that for many it it's much more challenging and there's it's much more difficult but but when you're in a situation where you um have got you know more resources at your disposal when you're actually in a situation where financially you're not stretched where where you've got an income or two incomes that that allows you to be reasonably comfortable it does make life in a lot of ways in Australia anyway, a lot easier. It doesn't mean you're going to necessarily be happier, although I think a lot of people would say, yes, their happiness is is derived a lot from the fact that they don't have financial stress. So there's probably some truth in that. But I think think if you can plan your life, and I would say start young. So the fact that Lee and I got married when we were young and then we bought a house as soon as we could... um, and we were able to then, and I know it's harder now, because I'm very aware of the fact that younger couples now find it a lot harder. But because we were able to do that, um, and Zach, I know you and Sarah are in a situation where you bought your own house, and, and so now you've got equity in your house, and, and all that, it actually enables you to be in a position where things get a lot easier as you get older. Like, they actually get to a point where you become a lot more financially comfortable, and so then you're able to do a lot more. Th- when I say do a lot more things, you're able to... You actually help a lot of other people. You, there's just more options that you've got. And our Western society and our Australian society allows that opportunity. So I guess I'd be saying 
that if you can start young and even I'd even you know get married when you're younger. This is my advice. It's not necessarily everyone's advice. Um, and then get a house when you're young, if you can afford to, um, and and start building on your you know sort of financial base and and start you know putting them putting your money away and all of the things that you do. If you can do that when you're young. You'll reap the benefits of that when you're in your 30s and 40s. But it's if you don't start that journey till you're in your 30s or 40s, it's much harder because you've got less time. You've got less time. You've got less opportunity. And then you know you'll you'll find then that when you're maybe you're having your children when you're in your 30s and 40s, um, you may find that a lot of the costs of you know paying for all the different things you've got to pay for becomes a lot harder, especially when you've got to go back to one income. So I think there's just anyway there's just um, some thoughts there that maybe another another time we could explore a bit further that, that actually makes life that little bit easier. Yeah, well, and I think that's part of what we were talking about today. You know, we, we're talking about um, your background and the challenges of growing up without uh, present parents, let's say, um, the challenges of um, relationships that have their issues and some of the causal factors of that. Um, but all of the things that we could agree on, I think, is... They are all different types of stress in your life and that affects you as an individual. But when both individuals together are both starting to fall apart as individuals, the relationship falls apart. Yes. And so what you're touching on is saying, well, these are things that you could potentially put in place yep. that creates, creates a, uh, a firm base that then supports you both. So in the hope that it'll keep at least keep at bay a lot of those stressful things for the future. Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah. Love to t- maybe we can talk on that at, at another time because um, you know there's there's a fair bit to unpack in all of that you know and and each of us have our own our own journeys and our own stories but there are some basic principles which which I think will make life work a little bit easier for you and anything we can do to help make life work you know um, that sounds cliche too too but it's making true, life work yeah you know, well, make it work well cliches are cliches for a reason right because they <laughs> apply to so many people yeah look I. We could obviously talk for hours and yes. hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Um, and what we were hoping to do with today's show is to uh, cover an overarching view of everything that we want to sort of address on the show in the future. So we will more m- definitely have a conversation again. And next time we'll we'll pick out a few topics and we'll go into much more detail on the individual topics so they're a little bit more specific. But I was hoping with this being the very first show and with you being my very first guest, that we could have just a little bit of a chat. We'll cover a whole bunch of areas in, in one conversation right. so that people could get a feel of of everything that is to come. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, from here on in, we can dive a bit deeper. But thank Sounds you so much for... It's a pleasure. For, for driving. For those... Dad drove two hours to be here with me today, so I very much appreciate that. Um, we... Again, jump on Instagram, have a look at the photo of where we are. It's a pretty amazing day here in Sydney. It's so extraordinary day. Have a look at the photo. Uh, thanks again, Dad, for taking the time. It's a pleasure, Zach. Thank it's you. It's been a great conversation. Loved it. All right, thanks, everyone, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. And that concludes the four-part conversation with my dad. I hope you all enjoyed that episode, the very first episode of the Sky High Dad podcast. I want to thank Dad for taking the time to drive down to Sydney to record the show with me. I think it went quite well. I quite enjoyed it. All of you listening along at home, I really hope that you managed to get something out of it. And look forward to next week. I've got another guest lined up and we'll have another three or four part series for you. Hopefully, it's just as informative and uh, beneficial as this one. Until then, stay well and we'll catch you on the next episode 
of the Sky High Dad podcast. (laughs) 